Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Welcome. Here is Pastor Mark Hashigan with this week's message. <laughs> Help, I need somebody. Man, isn't that the song of today? We're going to be reading out of the the book of Psalms, Psalms 3, verses 1 through 8, which is the entire psalm, by the way. Psalms 3, verses 1 through 8. It's a, it's a crazy, crazy world, isn't it? How many of you tried to, to walk through this life by yourselves? Have you ever gone through a period of time when you just said, you know, I'm going to do this? Any of you? I know I did. It's not easy. Some of you think that you haven't done that, but you have. But there's always something that comes up. We always make the wrong choices, don't we? Anybody ever make a wrong choice? Hmm. One day, there was a mother who explained to her five-year-old daughter that um, if she chose to be a bad girl, that she'd have to go live, uh, live with the consequences. And she goes, oh, mommy, with this terrified face, uh, look on her face. She said, please don't make me live with the consequences. I want to live here with you. But we all live with the consequences, don't we? We all live with the consequences of the choices that we have made, both good and bad. We've seen them both in our lives, right? And that's true of our familiar uh, biblical character that we're uh, going to be reading about today, the one called the man after God's own heart. Of course, that's King David. And King David had to live with the consequences of his sin. Today we're going to study Psalms 3, which was written by David himself. And the background of the psalm uh, is, is told right in the title. If you're, if you're looking in your Bible where it says it's, it's the, David, you know, talking about the betrayal of his own son, Absalom. To truly understand this betrayal, though, we kind of have to go a little bit further back than, than just the betrayal of his son, See, David's problem began when he took to himself the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And if you know anything about King David, he was white out one, one night. It was a nice night. He was st standing on the terrace of his palace, and he looks down into the, into the city below him in Jerusalem, and he sees this beautiful woman taking a bath. What the heck are women doing taking a bath outside anyway? No indoor plumbing. In any case... David entices and seduces Uriah's wife. Well, this act of adultery led to an even more despicable act by David. Instead of protecting and looking out for this loyal soldier of his, King David chose to put in motion the events that would take Uriah's life in order to cover up his own sin. And then David's adultery led, led to murder. 
Because from that point on, David had to live with his consequences of his sin for the rest of his life. Now, many years later, one of David's sons, Amnon, he, he became a little too attracted to his half-sister, Tamar. And he raped her. Well, that made Tamar's full brother, Absalom, enraged. So he had revenge on Amnon, and he killed him. Well, then David learned about what Absalom had done. But instead of dealing with him justly like he would have anybody else, he simply allowed Absalom to leave Jerusalem. Why? Why would he do that? What else could David do but, if you think about it? He had lost his moral authority to deal with Absalom with justice because of what David himself had done. He had committed murder over a sexual sin. And so David's undisciplined Absalom son, he goes out into the world thinking that, that, that he's, you know, he's more superior, he's morally better than his dad, the king. That he's a more worthy leader than King David. So he started a rebellion. Then this rebellion that was led by his son, he caught David off guard. So much so that the historical text tells us that he fled barefoot and weeping. Can you imagine the shame that David must have felt being opposed and hunted down by his only son? Well, by his, not his only son, but by his own son. See, David was reaping the consequences of the bad choices he had made. So as a result, this man who was known as the man after God's own heart and who had rejoiced in great victories because God had intervened in those battles, now he was characterized by failure, loneliness, disappointment, and agony. Has that ever happened to you? Not the killing part. But have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like a failure because of the bad choices that you've made? And you know that more than anything else, you need God's intervention in your life. Because you're powerless to do anything about it. If you're like that person, if you had that in your, in your life, and if you haven't, you will, <laughs> then this message is for you. We're going to find out in our study today four stages that reveal God at work in the life of those of us who believe in God's saving grace. Psalm 3 reveals that God is at work in David's life, and brothers and sisters, the same is true for us. So let's read Psalm 3. God's word says, This is the psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Lord, how are they increased 
that trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. Many there, many there be which say to my soul, there is no help for him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of the ho his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept, and I waked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon thy, the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. So let's get right to the meat of our lesson today. Well, we talk about the very first stage today, which is the problem. And we see the problem in verses 1 and 2. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say out of my soul there is no help for him in God. Selah. There are so many times in our life that we feel outnumbered, don't we? Have you ever felt that way? Like everything is against you? Every time you turn around, it's something else? David cries out to God because, because he was dealing with this increasing lack of loyalty. Not only friends, but family members turned against him. And all of a sudden, they're enemies, and, and they surround him. It was a real mess and he felt hopeless. You know, there are times when we feel like giving up hope too, don't we? There are times when we just want to throw our hands up and walk away. David's enemies were telling him that God had given up on him. That God wasn't going to deliver him this time. That he was done for. Now, if you're in that state of mind, if you're, if you're you know, feeling like everything is going against you and, and somebody that you care about or, or you respect tells you that, that God's not going to help you this time, that's going to beat you up a little bit, isn't it? You might start believing that. That's going to have a, a huge emotional impact. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever listened to what other people are saying? And let it affect your faith. There are times when the situation seems hopeless. When we feel hopeless. A lot of the time, our problem brings us right there, doesn't it? It's our problem that, became, that makes us hopeless. We can't get away from it. We think we can't get away from it. We can't deliver ourselves from it. We can't figure it out. But each of us has a problem. And that's our first stage, is the problem. Which, of course, leads us to our second stage, which is presence. Presence. 
It's the presence. Verses 3 and 4. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I love that passage. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. See, it's at this point that King David becomes God-centered. He gets out of the pity party, and he looks to God. And just like David, we have to realize that God's protection on us is all-encompassing. Even if we sin, even if we walk away. See, because we know that if God is holding our hand, he's not going to let go. It's when we're holding God's hand that we tend to let go. David refers to God as his shield. Now, we know that what a shield is for, right? It's an instrument of defense. And so David understood that God was his defense. And brothers and sisters, he's our defense also. David knew that because his very own words, the words of God in Genesis 15 verse 1, where God tells Abraham, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. God's shield is, is on all sides of David. He has protection above, beneath, around, without, and within. And David realizes that he's surrounded, but he recognizes his protection is surrounding him even better. That with God protecting him, that his enemies can't hurt him. And David refers to God as his glory, which tells us that David understands it has nothing to do with him and everything to do with God. It wasn't his strength. It wasn't his might, his wisdom. It was God's, all God's. We have to do that in our life. We're so bent on taking responsibility for the good stuff in our life and not for the bad stuff that we do, right? God gets the glory. David's hope isn't wrapped up in himself. It's wrapped up in the presence of God in his life. How important is that for us to realize that even in a mundane, regular, boring old day, that God is there. When we're passionate for his presence, we have everything that we need. When it's God's presence that we really want, then we're in the right place. Do you really want God in your life? Do you want his presence with you? It's like when Paul writes his first letter to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31, where it says, That according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. 
In some of your translations where it says glorieth, it, it means boast. It's written boasts. He that boasts, let him boast in the Lord. If you're going to brag about someone, what, isn't it better to brag about God? Give him the glory? Man, you did a great job on that. Glory goes to him. He used your hands. He used your mind. Glory is God's. See, David knew that he failed. But he also knows that he doesn't have to stay a failure. That's the problem. You know, you've heard that saying, right? You know, failure isn't messing up. Failure is not getting back up. It's not falling down. It's staying down. David knows that earthly esteem is fast moving. That is fickle. But if he genuinely wants God's presence, God's heart, if he wants to live up to what they called him the man after God's man after God's heart, then he needs to truly desire the presence of God. And he knows that if he does that, then he's on the right track. And it goes the same for us. If we truly want to, to do God's desire, if we want to do his will, if we truly want his heart, then God's going to meet us. Through all of this junk in this world, through all of this darkness, So many people out there that don't have the faith in him, that aren't, they say the words, but they don't have the heart behind it. They stay off. They say they want God in their life, but they don't honestly in the, their own heart want him there. See, David doesn't, doesn't want to, to stare at the, at the ground thinking about uh, his failure, about his sin, because it's as if God puts his hand on David's chin and lifts his head. Don't you love that part, that, that, that part of the scripture in here? In verse 3, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of mine head. Okay, just close your eyes for a moment. And imagine yourself in your darkest moment, one of the hardest times in your life. All of us have one of those times. Imagine God's mighty hand coming underneath your chin because you are beaten down and you're looking down. You don't know where to go. And his hand lifts your head to let you know it's going to be okay. That you're all right. He doesn't take away our, 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 our you know, that, that we didn't do something right, our bad choice. But he lets us know that he's with us. And the Lord does the same thing for each one of us. He lifts us up in the middle of rejection and opposition. 
When we feel weak, unable, and incapable, when diabolical schemes seem to take us down, we find that the Lord uses those things in our life for His glory. Because when we get through them, we're stronger, aren't we? If we pay attention, we're smarter too. God wants to use those circumstances in our life to move us closer to him. And David, even though that he was on the run, he looks back to Jerusalem and the temple, that holy hill, and he knows that God Almighty hears him. How many times do we pray not thinking that God is listening? If your heart is seeking his presence, he will hear you. When we desire God's presence, he will make a way when there seems to be no way. Every time. This leads us to our third stage, which is peace. Verses 5 and 6. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. That would be peace, right? Oh, my goodness. When we feel paralyzed by anxiety, when we feel paralyzed by this inner turmoil that, that we so often let it take over us, it's good to know that God wants us to rest on him. Right? Jesus told us, right? Give us, a, give me your burdens. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's a saying that everything looks better in the morning. Is that true? Because it depends on how much you drink. <laughs> but normally it does. When we have an opportunity to sleep on something, and there's some truth to that because a good night's sleep often gives us a new perspective, right? But for David, it's even more powerful. And it could be just as powerful for us. See, for David, a good night's rest meant that he survived another night on the run. Right? And that makes his faith grow. And that makes his courage swell. And he recognizes that the source of his comfort is the fact that God is with him. Brothers and sisters, we spend so much time in the pity parties that we forget that he's there. That that. He wants us to give all that stuff to him and leave it there. We spend too much time wasted the blessings that God gives us crying about things that we don't have any control over. But he does. So give it to him. Him. 
We need to understand the same thing that David did. We need to understand that the Father sustains us over and over and over again. And even though that we're encircled, even though all this stuff is going around us, and maybe that stuff is the consequences of our own sin, we can confidently face the worst when we are dependent on God's presence in our life. When we know he's in there, in the storm with us. Don't you feel better? The other night I was talking to Kate and, and Jake, and, and they were talking about the, the study. They were talking about, uh, or no, this faith, actually. Um, and she was talking about uh, uh, the three young Jews in the furnace. Anybody remember their names? I When they went into the furnace, who else, who was there with them? There was a fourth person. Are we in a furnace ever? Don't we feel sometimes we're in a furnace? Mandy, you had to feel like you're in a furnace for two weeks being sick, right? You know, just everything is wrong. But God is with us in all of that. We have to understand the same thing. We don't have to be afraid. See, we can celebrate God's goodness and kindness even though we don't deserve it. And that brings us to our fourth stage, which is the punishment. In verse 7, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. The tone of this song now, he takes this interesting turn because David becomes even more emotional about it. David shows us that, that we can tell God exactly how we really feel. How many of you pray you, you change your words? You know, you, you change the way that you talk. You know, there are people that say thee and thou and, and all that. And I'm not, not saying that that's wrong. But God wants to real us. He knows who we are. He doesn't want you cursing at him. <laughs> that would not be good. But he wants the real you. He wants the real me. And here David tells him exactly how he feels. He gives him his raw emotion. He gives, there's this emotional outburst. He says, get up. Arise, Lord, I'm in trouble. Save me. Oh, my God, don't let my enemies have their way. It's not right. It's not just. David tells God exactly how he really feels. And I believe it's all right to want justice when injustice is served on us. I mean, God is a God of justice, isn't he? So the picture that David paints with his words, are, they're kind of striking. 
because the cheekbones and the teeth represent cutting words, distractions, injuries, maybe even words that bit his soul. Strike them, Lord, where they have stricken me. Every one of us in here have been hurt by words, haven't you? Every one of us. Yes, men, even you have been hurt by words. Every one of us. David simply asked the Lord to make it right. We can do that. We're allowed to do that. He's not asking God to give him the opportunity to make it right. He's asking God for God to make it right. He's not looking for the power to do it himself. He wants God to do it. God gets the glory. God is the one that, that salvation belongs to and to God alone. And that's how he ends this song in verse 8. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. Salvation belongs to the Lord. David knows that without the Lord, there is no solution. At least no solution that, that's worth not having God. So though David was filled with guilt, he was filled with shame and humiliation, as bad as it felt to be on the run from his own son Absalom, God was giving him something greater. It was that loving hand on his chin to lift his face. It was God's loving arm around his neck. So I want you to realize today, beloved, that whatever you're facing, that salvation belongs to the Lord. Any rescue that comes your way isn't from you in any way, shape, or form. It comes strictly from God's grace and mercy. You understand that, right? It's God's work alone. Thank you, Jesus. So celebrate that blessing. Realize that God's blessing takes, away beyond, takes us way beyond that victory. It takes us into his eternal presence. Failure doesn't have to be the last word for us. There are so many great Christians today that failed miserably. God's blessings shows us the height and breadth and depth of his love for each one of us. So I want you to say with me right now, help, I need somebody. Not just anybody. I need Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we really do need you. And if nobody else in this room needs you, I need you. You know, while I've not murdered anybody, I am certainly a sinner. 
I will die a sinner. But Father, I'd be redeemed, redeemed by the blood of, of your Son, that sacrificial lamb, Jesus. And I need your help every day. I need your help every moment of every day. I need you in my life. And to know with all my heart that even when I'm at my loneliness, that you are with me. When all the world seems against that you are with me and that's all that matters because if God is for me, if you are for me, who can be against me? Lord, I'm thankful for your love for each of my brothers and sisters here and throughout the world, those before us and those that'll come after us. I pray that the hearts of my brothers and sisters here seek your presence. That we realize our sin and that we, that we come to you. That we confess our sins. That we turn away from them. And then we become a light the light of Christ here on this earth for as long as you have us here. Lord, I pray that my brothers and sisters here today, those that are listening, are saying deep in their souls, help, I need you. And Father, you sent your Son to redeem us on when he died on that cross, when Jesus was hung on that tree and his blood washed down that cross to wash away our sins. That his buried body, buried for three days in that tomb, rose again to defeat death so that we could have eternity with you thank you father and we would be in your presence for all eternity for all of those that claim jesus as lord and savior oh my goodness we thank you father we do give you the glory the honor and the praise in all that we say and do bless each man woman and child here today we pray all these things in that name, the precious name of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. All God's children said, Amen. And so you know what we're going to do now, right? We're going to sing a song, and then you get to get out of here. Depending on if Chris, Chris might slow it down real slow so you guys can think about it, the sermon today. If you got something to pray about, you know, you can come up and talk to us up front. You can talk to us in the back. You can text me, email me, smoke signals, whatever it takes to get in touch with me.
but just don't give up trying to get in touch with me. <laughs> if you've never joined the church and you'd like to become a, an official member, um, come on up or see me at the back of the church or same thing, call me. We'd love to have you. We need you. The biggest thing is always going to be is if you are sitting there in your pews today or sitting in your chair at home and you're feeling convicted, if you feel like you don't have the presence of God because your heart never really truly accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to do it. Because this world ain't getting any lighter. And I don't know about you, I want God. I need God present in my life. And that's what's going to happen if you ask Jesus into your life. His Holy Spirit comes to live within you. And do that. Do that now. Say that prayer. Ask Him into your life. Do you need Him? Don't we need Him all the time? Do you ever feel like you don't? Do you ever feel like, I got this? It's okay, God, I got it. Take the day off today. Right? There are times when we just feel so good. That things are going so good. That we're going to do it by ourselves. What a horrible mistake. That's how I became bald. Trying to do things by myself. <laughs> and God kept going, smack, smack, smack. Look, we need them. We need somebody, but not just somebody. We need God. So that's your challenge this week. You need to, to, to look into yourselves. Are you wanting God's presence in your life? Do you really want Him there? Because you can look around yourselves. You can look and see how your life is going to see if He is there. Because He doesn't come where He's not wanted. He can. But He wants you to want Him there. To be a part of your life. And I'm telling you that things still aren't always peachy. Sometimes it's really the pits. Right? But God is with us in it. He's walking us through it. It'll make us stronger. It'll make us better. And you know what else? Is it'll make us useful to Him for somebody else going through the same thing that you're going through. So get over yourselves and get in with God. Can you do that this week? I know you can. God bless you. I love you. Have a great week. You know what to do if you need me? Pick up the phone. Reach out. Peace. I'm out. We hope that you were blessed by the message today. First Baptist Welcome has Sunday worship every Sunday at 11 a.m. in person and online. Check us out at firstbaptistwelcome.com for all of our services. We are located at 6735 Port Tobacco Road in Welcome, Maryland. That's First Baptist Welcome, where Jesus will meet you where you are, but never leave you there.